So much of the time, it seems that Christianity is viewed by the world, and Christians far too often for that matter, as a code to live by, a set of doctrines, a list of do and do's and don'ts, a strategy for living, and a system of faith and worship. And when this is how Christianity is approached, it leaves people with a cold and personal ideology. However, during the Christmas season, which we're starting now, yay! During the Christmas season, that seems to change because the celebration of Jesus' birth. The celebration of Jesus' birth. People's attention shift from ethics to a person, from the Son of God to Jesus. A person, the Son of God, Jesus. So I actually think this is what Christmas was supposed to be about, right? Christmas was supposed to be about a person, about the Son of God, about Jesus. Will you listen, will you listen to Hebrews 1, 3 through, uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 with me? And I will warn you today, if you look, those of you that have a handout, those of you online don't, aren't having this morning, we're going to be all over the place today. So fast fingers, flipping through the Bible, get ready, because we're going to be going crazy. So we're going to start in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, the first part of th- verse 3. It says, long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So God has always seemed to desire relationship over regulation. Let's, can you guys just get me a different, we're just going to swap out. Or wait, let me try one other thing. Let's, stop moving, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> let's try this, I'll have this up here in case we need it. But let's try this, maybe that's the problem. So I will keep theirs here just in case. So, God has always seemed to desire relationship over regulation. In verse 1, it says that God spoke to the Jewish fathers through prophets, relationally sharing with them portions of his truth. He gave them bits and pieces, but not the whole picture. And this includes the regulations of how God and his people would interact with one another. The problem that arose, though, is that people either rejected God and his regulations, or they embraced his regulations but rejected the giver, God himself. Also, the people back in the Old Testament didn't possess the complete picture that God wanted for them to have. They didn't see and know the full picture of truth God desired to bring to them. And so enter Jesus, verse 2 in Hebrews, says that God spoke in finality through his son, making Jesus the inheritor of all things. He spoke in finality through his son, making Jesus the inheritor of all things. So before Jesus, there was an element of truth over here, and there was an element of truth over there, a part of the story over there, a part of the story here. 
But in Jesus, God consolidated all of those things into one place. And that place was in a person, not in a system. He consolidated everything in a person, not a system. So Christianity is not a collection of varying elements. It's not a patchwork clit, cl- quick, a patchwork quilt of this thing and this thing and this thing. It is, a, it is something that's pulled together and it's pulled together in a person. And so Christianity is Jesus. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Christianity is not a what, Christianity is a who. That's your Grinch for you. Not a what, but a who. Very Dr. Seuss, right? That is what Christianity is all about. And so we see this clearly in John 14, 6. So go from Hebrews, go to the left in your Bible, to John. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now notice what Jesus says there. He doesn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am an approach to living. No, what he says is he says, I am it. It is me. These are inherent to who he is. The way, the truth, and the life are inherent to who Jesus is. If you want to have truth, if you want to have life, if you want to have a method to living, if you want to have anything at all, it's found in Jesus. And it's found in a relationship with him alone. So being that Christianity's source and its depth and its riches are not found in head knowledge, they're not found in intellectual exercise, but they're found in relationship. And it's a relationship with the person, with the person of Jesus, the Son of God. And so if Christianity is all about the relationship with a person, wouldn't it make sense that we should get to know Jesus so that we can grow in our relationship with him? And truthfully, what I've seen in our society today, a lot of people have an idea of what they think Jesus is, but they don't really know Jesus. And so if they don't really know him, how can they not have, how can they even consider having a relationship with him? And that's not just the non-Christians. I find a lot of Christians who don't know Jesus very well. And they need to know him much, much better. And so we're going to do that. And it makes sense. Absolutely it makes sense. And I'm sorry, I totally should have shut this off. So it makes complete sense that we should get to know Jesus and that is what we're going to be doing here in this Christmas season starting today and we'll conclude on Christmas Eve. And just a heads up, we're going to have a Christmas morning service, Christmas Eve morning and Christmas evening service. So some of the teams, I think I've talked to everybody, but if I didn't talk to you and that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry for not letting you know sooner. Please forgive me. But we'll conclude on Christmas Eve in the morning and at, in the evening. So, but our one big idea for this series is that knowing Jesus is how we grow as people. Knowing Jesus is how we grow as people. And truthfully, we're going to spend all of eternity getting to know Jesus. 
oh, we got a long time to get to know Jesus, but what better way to either start or continue as we work our way through this Christmas series? Especially since Jesus is all things and is in all things. That's Colossians 3.11. Jesus is all things and he is in all things. That's pretty big. So you don't get Jesus separated from the all things. You get Jesus and then you can have access to the all things. But if you don't have Jesus, you're going to struggle to find the all things. So we'll spend each week as we go through this series focusing on a few of these all things. (laughs) Because if we tried to go through all things, I think we'd be here until eternity, right? We're going to spend this, this time in this series looking at a few of them. And hope my hope for you is that they will be things that will help you grow as you learn who Jesus is and who he desires to be to you. And so this series is titled, Jesus Is... Dot, dot, dot. And I put the dot, dot, dot there because it's important. I want you to see that. Every time you see that dot, 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 I want you to think, yeah, we're looking at a specific thing today, but there's so much more. Jesus is all, and we could just keep dot, dot, dotting it on into eternity and forever. So the dot, dot, dot is there to remind us that he is all things. And the qualities that we're going to be seeking to know about Jesus during this series come from a passage in Micah, which is a prophecy about his birth. It's retold again in Matthew, but we're going to pull the one from Micah. So let's read it together. Micah 5, 2 through 5a. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, that sounds familiar from Ruth, right? Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. So from these verses, we're going to pull out six characteristics of who Jesus is. And if you want to have a little fun with this as we go along, why don't you try to guess which ones they're going to be? And see if you can get them in the right order. Okay, kind of like bingo. <laughs> so we're going to do six characteristics. Maybe you can try to guess them along the way and in what order. And today I'll help you out. I'm going to give you two for free. How's that sound? And this will be the only week with two. So every week after this is one. So what we're going to look at is the first two elements. One is the first one. And the first one is that Jesus is the eternal God. He is fully God. This comes from where it says in these verses, where it says his goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. That everlasting literally means from the days of eternity. His days are from the days of eternity. The second one comes from what it, what it says until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. We know that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And so he was born as a man, fully man. So we have fully God from the days of eternity and now fully man born of the Virgin Mary. So Jesus is God and man. 
Jesus is God and man. So how do we conceptualize this idea that Jesus is God and man? Well, I I think a picture will help. And so there was much rejoicing from the visual learners. Yay. (laughs) Woo, pictures. Picture time in church. And no, I'm not using crayons. I've drawn pictures in church before on whiteboards, but you're going to actually get a digitized picture today. Okay? So the digitized picture that we're going to get is going to come from some different verses that lay it out. So what we do, what must we understand to understand Jesus is God? What must we understand to understand that Jesus is eternal nature as God? Well, if I was to ask you, what is, what is eternal life? Many people will say, well, that is life starting from today going into the future. But what do we mean when we say God is eternal? Anyone? Shout it out. Forever, forever both ways? No beginning, no ending, right? Forever into the past, forever into the future. So no beginning, no ending. So let's begin with Colossians 1.17. And in Colossians 1.17, it says, He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So on our chart here, we have a forever past pointing to the past, okay? This is where you're really going to have to get fast fingers. So we just did Colossians. Now we're going over to Luke, Luke 131 to 33. And this is part of the, the, pro, the, part of the speaking to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So now we add an arrow, forever future. So we have forever past, and we have forever future. Now if we completed the line and put it together, right, where that gap is, we'd have a timeline that represents Jesus' life eternally. Never beginning, never ending, always and forever. And that would be always forever existing with God the Father. And that would be Jesus as God. Okay, do you get that? There's this, if he never came down, which we're going to look at here in a minute, if he always existed up above, that would be Jesus as God. Okay, but we know that there was more to Jesus' journey, don't we? We know that there was more to his story. Let's look at John 1.14. 1.14 says, The Word became flesh, and that Word is Jesus, for those of you that maybe don't know. That's why it's capitalized. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So now we add an arrow down here with a little nice manger and this is, this is the picture of the fact that Jesus came and he was born of the Virgin Mary. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas, right? The start of his entry into earth. His descending from the eternal now into the momentary. After his birth, we know that he lived for another 33 years. The last three um, of those years was his time in ministry, which we see here by the 33 years. 1 Corinthians 15, I don't hear the pages. Like, I'm, I always kind of think of people, like, I, was, I was looking for my Bible students in the house, you know, like, you know, flipping back for, it's the phones nowadays, right? People are like, dunk, dunk, dunk. 
1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. Or maybe you're just reading the screens. <laughs> For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So now we add more to Jesus' life. We add an arrow for down, which was his death. We add an arrow for, for being buried, and now we add one for his resurrection. Maybe some of you are going, those are not proportionally correct in the timeline. Just roll with me, Okay. Pictures break down if you make them like biblical truth. I'm trying to help you picture something here. So we know that the Gospels, like John, in them they say that Jesus was seen many times following his resurrection. So there's another period of time. And then it says in Ephesians 1.19, the second half of the verse through 20, it says, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, that was resurrection, but then there was also ascension, and then seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And so now we add an arrow for his ascension. So now we can see here that we've placed this dip, I'll call it, in the gap. How although Jesus was still God, he also became completely man, subjecting himself to live as a man living a momentary life which included being born and being subject to death. So this is important. I want you to keep this in your mind. I mean, if you have your phone real quick and you want to snap a picture, go ahead. But this is important. We have the eternal God who now took and stepped out of eternity into life today into the human life, and he lived that way. And so how does knowing Jesus, how is knowing this about Jesus help us? It can help us in many areas, but today I'll just touch on a few. First, it can help when we're wrestling with what it means to become like Jesus. It can help us understand what it means to become like Jesus. See, in the process, when we look at the process of becoming like Jesus, many times we tend to look at his life and we try to ask the question, how was Jesus able to do everything that he did when he was here on the planet Earth? How did he do it? How is it possible? I mean, I'll ask people, how was Jesus able to do all that he did? Well, the inevitable answer that always tends to kind of work its way out is, well, he was God. And if that's true and we're trying to become like Jesus, then we have a problem. That's a problem for us because we're not God. Any, unless anybody wants to step up, give testimony. We're not God and never will be, will we? So this would mean we would have no chance of becoming like Jesus. If he lived as God, we'd have no chance. The best we could do is try to guess and mimic what Jesus would do in a modern context. Because Jesus didn't drive on roads in traffic. Jesus didn't have Bimart and Walmart and Target and, and Grocery Mart and, and uh, Market of Choice and 20 other grocery stores in this town that you have to figure out which one to go to. What would Jesus do? I don't know. Today I think he'd do Market of Choice or Grocery Outlet. Tomorrow it bite me natural grocers. And if I'm leaving your store out, I'm sorry. There's just too many to keep count of. So we try to guess and mimic. But see, I think what I have found very helpful to me is Philippians chapter 2. So if you're paper in it, Philippians chapter 2. 
starting in verse 5. And the context is one of living in relationship, but I think Paul is laying something much larger than just relationships. Because he says, have this attitude in you. This is a directive for us to understand for us. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, the eternal above the line kind of thing, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. From these verses, we learn that, all jo- all, that although Jesus was God from eternity past, like it said in Micah, he chose to not act as God. He chose to not tap in to his God abilities. But instead, he humbled himself and lived fully as a man. Can you imagine having all the access to all that is provided to you in God and choosing to say, you know what, I'm not going to tap into that. I will live as a man. That's a tall order. This is what Satan tempted at him, right? He tempted him to tap into his God abilities. The three temptations were to do something out of his God powers, and he refused. He chose to live as a man dependent upon God. And so if Jesus didn't use his God abilities, then how is he able to do all that he did, like the miracles, like his teaching, like resisting Satan? How is he able to do that? How is he able to do that while he was in the dip? How is that possible? Well, he tells us out of his own mouth, repeatedly in the book of John. This one is going to be crazy if you're going to try to go through a paper Bible. John 6, 38, Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John 14, 31, I, lo- I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. John 5, 19, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Did you get it? Did you see it? Jesus did all that he did as he lived here on earth as a man in dependence on his Father. relying on his Father for everything. And wouldn't it make sense that if we were to be like him, it's to be like him in the model of dependence and not trying to be like him as God. Jesus led the path. He's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And he said, this is the way. It's a way of dependence. It's a way of trusting. It's a way of living. So growing as a Christian isn't us trying to mimic the behaviors of Jesus as God in our own independent effort. I'm going to say that again. Growing as a Christian isn't us trying to mimic our behaviors, mimic our behavior like Jesus in our own independent effort, like him as God. 
but it is growing in reliance on Jesus who is no longer now restricting his God abilities. When he ascended, he's like, okay, no more. I've done what I needed to do, and now I have full access to my abilities again as God. So when we willfully live this way and this way of dependence, we grow and Jesus is free to be himself in us and through us just like the Father was free to be who he was in Jesus and through Jesus as he did everything that he did on this planet Earth. And it's also worth mentioning that in the Christmas season, we talk frequently about the fact that Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary. That was important because that allowed Jesus to be born spiritually alive so he could live as a spiritually alive man. We are not born that way. We are born spiritually dead because of our lineage from Adam. This is why we're constantly talked about as being born in Adam, connected to Adam and his family. But when we give ourselves to Jesus and he enters our lives, what ends up happening is no longer are we spiritually dead. We are now spiritually alive like Jesus was. And being spiritually alive like Jesus, we are now able to live in dependence as Jesus was able to live in dependence on his Father. And it's this spiritually alive condition that connects us to Jesus who is now living as fully God and fully resurrected man. It's mind-blowing. It's only something God could put together, but it's so amazing and it's so wonderful and it's what makes it possible for us to live and walk with him. Look at Colossians 2, 9 through 10. For in Jesus all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. All of what God is resides in Jesus, the resurrected man. And because of that, our connection to him now brings about something in us. Jesus, the fullness of God in him as a resurrected man now, and our connection to him brings something to us. It brings us to fullness. Why would it bring us to fullness? It's because of what Jesus did in the dip. And now that he's not restricting his abilities as God, that we are brought to fullness. And that fullness is possible because, remember, Jesus is all things. And if you're connected to Jesus, guess what you have access to? All things. And if you have access to all things, wouldn't that be fullness? I mean, if I tried to cram all things in you, you'd be like, Mike, I don't got any more room. (laughs) You got like one or two and then that's it. But because of your spiritual connection to Jesus, you have been brought to fullness. First Peter says it this way, or Second Peter. Second Peter 1.3 says it this way. It says, His, Jesus' divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. 
through our knowledge of him, there it is again, knowing him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You're not lacking. You're just not tapping into what's been made available to you. If you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I mean, the first step is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're lacking because you're disconnected from the all things. But if you've been joined to Jesus, guess what? You have all that you need. Are you experiencing all that you need? Not necessarily, but you have access to it. And the Christian walk and the Christian journey is learning to live out of all that he's made, all that he makes available to you through your connection to him. Just as Jesus had all that was available to him through his Father as he depended upon him by faith. And so our process as Christians, our process of learning to live from the inside out is one of learning to tap in to this deep well that never ends. This deep well that never ends. It never runs dry. We know this rain will stop but his doesn't. His life, his flow of water is a well that never runs out. And he's made it available to us through his son Jesus. One more. Look at Hebrews 4.14-16. to Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. has a powerful set of verses we have a great high priest we have a great high priest who was born in a manger jesus the son of god his power is what makes it possible for us to depend on him and then to hold firmly to the faith that we profess I mean, if you've ever tried to hold firmly to your faith apart from that power, how has that gone for you? I know when I did that, it didn't go very well. But when I go, Jesus, I am fully depending on you. I'm fully trusting you by faith that your life is available to me and I'm trusting you to be in me and to me and through me who you desire to be. As I hold on to that, I can hold on to that because it's a whole lot easier to hold on to a person than it is to hold on to a cold ideology. It's a whole lot easier to hold on to a person than it is to hold on to an intellectual exercise. Christianity is a person. It is Jesus. It also says that Jesus, if we realize and look at these verses from Hebrews and remember that Jesus is a resurrected man who has lived here. Remember, he lived here in the dip that little drop down out of eternity and then back up, who understands the weakness and the temptations that we face. He lived them firsthand. But he did it without sinning. 
Now this is where we get confused again because we go, well, he did that because he was God. No, not sinning was depending. He was led perfectly. He perfectly depended upon his father. That's how he didn't sin. Because if he lived out of the God stuff, we, we are going to really struggle. He lived out of the God stuff through his connection to his father. That's how we, as First Peter, or Second Peter says, we have access to live a godly life because of our connection to God. So because Jesus has the power and the understanding and has an ex- excellent track rec- record, we can live in dependence and confidence, receiving mercy and finding grace to help us from God's throne of grace in our time of need, which if we're honest, is all the time. I'm going to read that again, people. I don't think you're awake. Because of Jesus' power and the understanding he had and his excellent track record, we can live in dependence, in confidence, receiving mercy, finding grace to help us from God's throne of grace in our time of need, which if we're honest, is every moment of every breath, of every day, of all the time. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Amen. So again, I think we could keep going because Jesus is <laughs> for all eternity and he's all this stuff but I'm hoping that you're beginning to see I mean this is some heavy theology this understanding of Jesus being fully God and fully man do I fully get it no but do I believe it yes because it's true and it's who he is and as we learn to camp out on that and we rest in that and we look at his life and we hear him say over and over in the book of John I'm doing what my father's doing. I'm joining my father in his work. Man, that should be our mantra. I'm doing what Jesus is doing. I'm following him. I'm looking. I'm looking for where he's saying, go here and do this. Look at that person behind the counter. Love on them. Look at your employee. Put your arm around them and sit. They're having a tough day. That's what it means to rest in Jesus, to depend upon Jesus and why it's possible So again, there's so much more you can gain from this idea of fully God and fully man, and we're not going to be able to cover it today. So I would encourage you, I hope you take some time as you do your Bible reading this week, as you dig through some of these verses, as you have your growth groups, that you begin to dialogue on some of this. Because we've just scratched the surface. And that as you begin to learn what it means that Jesus is God and man, that he'll begin to show you how that understanding can help you grow, help you mature, help you to take next steps in your walk. So we'll continue to look at what Jesus is as we move through our series this year. This year. (laughs) That's how it feels. This month. As we begin to move through this month. And we'll be looking at that passage in Micah and we'll be gathering different elements of who Jesus is. And again, six is, when he's all things, six is a very small amount. But it's a good start. So will you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, that you are all things. Thank you that you are what we desperately need. Thank you that you humbled yourself, as it said in, second, in, uh, in Peter chapter 2, or Philippians chapter 2. Thank you that you had an attitude um, in you that was an attitude of humility.
that you emptied yourself, that you laid aside who you were, and that you chose to humbly live as a man. And in doing so, showed us how we're to live in dependence upon you. We thank you for this time today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've provided. We thank you for the opportunity to now celebrate you in communion. In Jesus' name, amen.